everybody. Welcome to Critique or Cynicism, a podcast dedicated to identifying, analyzing, and steel-manning arguments everyone else labels as either woke pandering or the winding of toxic fandoms. How reasonable are common criticisms of modern media? Let's discuss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of the Critique or Cynicism podcast. As always, this is your host, Natalie, and today I am joined by Professor Juan Contreras of the University of Akron, the general manager of our student-run television station, ZTV, professor of video production courses, and lover of all things Star Wars. Professor Contreras, it is great to have you on. It is great to be here. Thank you for the very kind invitation. Absolutely. Today, we are going to be talking about Luke Skywalker. Specifically, whether or not nearly murdering his nephew, as established in Episode 8, The Last Jedi, was either in line with his character, or at least a believable progression of that character from what we've been given. On one hand, some argue that this portrayal of Luke is accurate to what we've seen from him in Return of the Jedi, where he attacks Vader in a rage, taking his hand and nearly killing him. They say Luke has always been quick to strike, even against members of his family that he was trying to redeem, Compounded with sensing that Snoke had already turned him, feeling the darkness throughout his nephew's training, potential PTSD from battle, and a brief moment of panic, they argue that it is a reasonable thing that Kylo misread. It is argued that Luke does not try to redeem Ben because, using the Force, he already sees that Ben is beyond saving. Additionally, Screen Rant goes as far as to say that Ryan Johnson's portrayal added a much-needed darkest point to Luke's character arc, claiming that Luke had never really been legitimately tempted by the dark side in the original trilogy. They argued that Luke's dark past was necessary for the storyline of the sequels to work. On the flip side, Luke was meant to be a force of hope and optimism, as Mark Hamill himself points out. While he supported Ryan Johnson in The Last Jedi publicly, he made it no secret that he fundamentally disagreed with the direction of Luke's character. And, to some people, the reveal of him nearly killing his nephew is less of a natural dark point in his story arc, but more of a complete reversal of his character, given he refused to kill the second most evil man in the galaxy due to their shared blood. There is a character arc, then there's a character acting out of character, especially since the shift happened between trilogies. We didn't even see Luke's increasing struggles with the dark side or his PTSD, and yet we were meant to believe that it was a natural progression for the character. Similarly, Such a change from the established character has to be better set up, not simply taken for granted and brushed off with a, it's been 30 years, anything could happen. It's the whole, it shouldn't be up to me to make your movie work mentality. At this point, Luke should be a more seasoned, mature Jedi, less prone to such a mentality, especially after nearly falling to the dark side. They argue that it is laughable to compare trying to kill your mass-murdering dictator of an adversary mid-duel while he's threatening to kill your friends and corrupt your sister to killing your nephew while he's sleeping before he's actually done anything wrong. While Luke stopped himself before he actually tried to murder Ben, they argue that it shouldn't have gotten that far in the first place and that it is entirely reasonable to assume that the person standing over your sleeping form, staring at you with an ignited weapon in hand, is here to kill you. That's not a misunderstanding of the situation, if that was Luke's intention. Also, they argue, if Luke intended to kill Ben originally because he was irredeemable, why does Rey claim she senses good in him in the same movie? It's not likely that he would have been irredeemable then, but not now. Sure enough, though it's not Ryan Johnson's fault, Kylo Ren does get redeemed in the final film, just like Vader. Critics point out that Luke was tempted in the original trilogy. His failure at the cave where he, you know, failed. Him trying, though failing, to kill Vader at the end of Empire, and Luke trying to kill Palpatine, then Vader, at the end of Return of the Jedi. The Last Jedi did not improve anything. And if this change was crucial for the sequels to work, then they needed to justify it better or go in a different direction that would work. Just so you know, I, um, you already prefaced that I am a lover of all things Star Wars. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you one thing. Luke Skywalker was my childhood hero. 
So I think, I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> but this is going to be a very appropriate from the uh, from the standpoint of somebody who not only loves Star Wars, but who literally grew up as idolizing Luke Skywalker. Yes. Professor Contreras and I are going to be looking at both perspectives. Before we get into this, though, just to be fair, I want to throw out that this podcast is not meant to attack anyone, regardless how they feel about The Last Jedi, but rather to genuinely look at the arguments for both sides and see where we land. I get the feeling we are going to land in roughly the same place. (laughs) It's very likely. (laughs) So with that disclaimer out of the way, as a lover of all things Star Wars, as you said, where do you land? What were your thoughts on Luke's portrayal in The Last Jedi? Well, where to begin? (laughs) Um, So with Luke's portrayal in in The Last Jedi, I, I kind of feel that the whole portrayal does not aligned really with with a couple of elements that we see throughout Star Wars. First of all, it doesn't really align with who Luke Skywalker is as a character. Uh, Luke Skywalker always was portrayed as the kind of like the the hero that is somewhat naive for not giving up on anybody. Everybody's given up in the in the original trilogy uh, on his father, Darth Vader. Like there's no way you can rescue this guy from the dark side. And, um, and, you know, and he is also given this task by Master Yoda in Return of the Jedi. You have to train the next generation of Jedi. And he takes all of that to heart, right? Um, so when uh, we see his, the whole idea that he was missing to begin with what didn't really make a lot of sense. And now that we find out in The Last Jedi why he's missing, it doesn't really align with the character of Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker wouldn't necessarily go and hide uh, it also goes against what Jedi believe in. Jedi's, Jedi don't go into exile. Jedi f- try to figure it out, and, and they have their, their entire moral code to guide them uh, through that. So the whole thing that Jedi that a Jedi would go into depression and, and go hide, uh, it just doesn't align with the character. And I really want to make sure that we say this. It doesn't mean that we can't have a character like Luke Skywalker who... Go, you know, go into depression. Sure, that can happen. But the decisions that are guiding Luke Skywalker as the hero of this story are just not really in alignment with who he is as a person uh, and the code that he believes in. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, Mark Hamill actually kind of said a lot of the same things that you said when he was talking about it. Now, obviously, he did publicly support the film, support Ryan Johnson. You know, you kind of have to do that as an actor for a movie that you're a part of. Um, but he actually went it out to say that he had to pretend he was playing Jake Skywalker um, and saying that Luke was a force of optimism and he would never give up. So it sounds like you pretty much agree with this. I, I do. And actually, I did not know that he had said that. And uh, I mean, I knew that he wasn't super happy with the way that Luke Skywalker was portrayed. And I, I don't know. I, I Just hearing it makes me even sadder. I think Mark Hamill just gets it, right? He portrayed... Mm-hmm. He played the character. He, uh, he, he fully understood what the intentions of the character were all along, and just how and in the last year that it just doesn't make sense. And to me, part of the reason they do this is just maybe to open the door to a new generation of heroes, which I totally understand. But again, it just doesn't align. You don't have to make a character less like that. Uh, in order to open the door to a new generation of of heroes here. Uh, It didn't have to be like that. There's even the point that, you know, Luke has, like, no respect now for Jedi. Uh, He's literally the last of his kind, and now he's just willing to let all the Jedi die for nothing. Everything that we saw in the previous movies, that it was all about balancing the light and the dark it just no doesn't matter i'm just gonna kill them all off and screw it (laughs) just let the darkness lord over everybody yeah pretty much so uh, again it doesn't really like align right he has no respect for the the jedi texts nothing whatsoever um really out of character yeah i like how you said that um we don't have to tear others down to build the new generation up i think that is a a really big point and a gripe that I sometimes have with how they treat legacy characters and basically any fandom. If they're trying to get you too hard into liking these new characters that they created, whether that's just for not having to pay royalties or just, you know, the ego boost of, hey, these are my characters and they're super popular now. 
Like there is a way to get us to care about the new characters without destroying the old characters or making them somehow less than they were in order to try to prop up the new characters. I personally, and it sounds like you probably agree with this, I don't think that it really props up the new characters as well as they think it does. I think it just ticks off fans. Absolutely. You know, I, for all the criticism that the prequels take in Star Wars, um, look at characters like Anakin Skywalker. As we are watching these movies, we know what his ultimate fate is. He's going to become a ruthless killer that everybody will fear throughout the galaxy. And even then, the way that the character is portrayed is somewhat relatable. You relate to Anakin Skywalker as a hero before his fall to the dark side. You know it's coming. And you you don't have to make the character unrelatable from the get-go to get there. And you also didn't have to... Well, you can't criticize Luke Skywalker, right? Because that's <laughs> coming after in the story. But, uh, but you know, yeah, that's exactly the point. Like, you, you don't have to... To minimize a character just to build another one up but it just does not make any sense to me uh in i i just feel like maybe the sequel trilogy is not just luke skywalker you know it's just like well let's get rid of han solo um princess leia was a different story right carrie fisher dies mm -hmm. and, and and all of that but um but it mary just seemed, poppins leia mary poppins leia yeah don't get started <laughs> with that scene too it's just like uh, also a complete disregard of how the force works too apparently but um and the sequels even understand that to some extent because they have han say that isn't how the force works <laughs> which is the most ironic thing ever for a trilogy that doesn't know how the force works yeah i guess ryan johnson missed that line in the force awakens <laughs> but i you know the force makes you invincible didn't you know apparently so apparently jedi can't die no nope. you can you can breathe in space yeah. now mm -hmm. so i'm um, sure qui-gon is not pleased <laughs> a lot of Jedi are not pleased, right? <laughs> but you know the, you you know what the main issue to me is with the sequel trilogy. This is, I think, maybe at the core of the problem. When Disney decided to do a new trilogy, they didn't really have a game plan for all three movies. They just said, "All right, you're gonna do the first one, and we're gonna get another director to sort of like build on the second one, and then we'll get a third director to wrap it all up." There was no idea of where they were going to take this story. So all these plot holes that were established in the first movie, in The Force Awakens, were not really addressed by the next. There was no plan to address those plot holes. And they just remained throughout the whole thing. And then it culminates with the major disaster that is Rise of Skywalker. But, um, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about Luke Skywalker and... I think there was just no plan. What what do we do with all these heroes that now have a tradition of being in Star Wars for four decades? So it sounds like you're saying as a narrative um, film, as a video production professor, they could have done with a little bit more pre-production planning. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I really think that they should have taken the project a little more carefully and say, what is... What is going to be this, the overall story arc for these three movies? Obviously, each movie needs to have its own arc, but the overall arc for the trilogy, what is this going to be about? Where are there going to be the conflicts? Who's going to dance on, in the dark side? Um, what, what are we going to do with these heroes that we need to bring back? Or we don't. Do we really need to bring them back? Maybe... You want to kill off Luke Skywalker? Just explain from the beginning. Luke Skywalker died in battle done he died a hero not a wimp <laughs> <laughs> see you later kid <laughs> you know but uh, that's that's part of it right like what exactly do we do with these these heroes there's no game plan whatsoever and that's reflected in how different the three movies are they're very different there's mm -hmm. literally no game plan no direction so yeah okay and going back to luke so you think that he, in general, is pretty much out of character. Um, yeah. Does that carry over to him trying to kill his nephew? <laughs> that is a really good question, and I'm going to answer it in two ways. The first way is it's completely out of character for him to try to kill his nephew. To even consider it. To right. even consider it. I mean, yes. as a Jedi, he, he, he definitely 
maybe I don't even know if he would consider, but like, okay, look at other Jedi that have danced that line. Mace Windu in episode three is trying to kill Palpatine because he knows what he's going to. He's already this one tiny step away from grabbing absolute power. And he says he's too dangerous to be left alive. If we don't, all these people are going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the maybe the premise that they're bringing to Luke. The problem is that that's Luke's nephew. We don't really know the backstory to it. How do we get to this point that Ben Solo is apparently this psycho killer to be? Um, and did you not see it coming before? Did you not feel the dark side in him? Because, you know, as, as a teacher, you could have done that over time, right? It's not something that happens over o- overnight. But that's the problem with the movie. They're just like painting it to be like that. So it's out of character because this is not something that a Jedi master would just like let go like that. And sure, there's been other Jedi in the Star Wars lore that turn to the dark side and nobody kind of like notices mm-hmm. it, right? But it's not exactly usual and then what are the other jedi is he just like oh yeah i'm gonna train a new generation of jedi ben you're it <laughs> you are the sole generation of future jedi like where are the other jedi like are, do we have other jedi or i think we at least had the knights of ren but, and so are the knights of ren jedi <laughs> so or he just failed they, everybody what were they because they also all like join kylo ren right so what is this? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And I have friends that have said, like, well, you have to now read the comic books or the novels to, like, catch up. And I'm like, after looking at that movie, I'm not reading the backstory on this. I'm just <laughs> going to get more upset. But now in the con, so that's one context, right? The context of what the, this movie is playing, would it be out of character for Luke Skywalker to consider killing somebody? I would say no. Every Jedi is tempted by the dark side, right? Just like, and this is something that comes from like, you know, the whole cultural and moral backbone of Star Wars, uh, of the the cultural references that it makes. As humans, we all get temptations to to dance the line between right and wrong, right? And we get tempted to do the wrong thing all the time. So, you know, it, Jedi, ism in star wars is based off of all these like like religions that exist in in our real world and you know in christianity you get tempted by the forces of evil to do bad things and then you have the choice you have your free will look is perfectly fine getting tempted right but he makes the right choice by not doing that of course his nephew conveniently wakes up in the middle of that and then all hell breaks loose but um so yeah i don't think it would necessarily be bad all jedi also get tempted by the dark side just like in real life we get tempted by the forces of evil whatever your religious background may be and you have to make a choice in that sense it doesn't seem to me like it would be completely out of character for a jedi to be tempted when they see when look and easily say like i've seen what the dark side can do i saw it in my father and i saw it in the emperor right what is out of character again is that luke skywalker never gave up on his father and he stood before the emperor and say and basically said like i'm gonna bring him back to the light you'll see he wagered the entire galaxy and the lives of his friends exactly so what would Luke Skywalker do in the circum in these circumstances? He sees that his nephew is potentially going to be another emp- emperor, another evil mastermind killing millions of people. What is he going to do? He's going to wager the galaxy again to save his nephew. That's what Luke Skywalker would do. So it sounds like it would be in character for a Jedi to do it, but not for Luke. I think so, yes. Okay. I think so. So we've had some people who compare um, Luke trying to kill his nephew with Luke trying to kill Vader in Return of the Jedi. What do you think the difference is between those two scenarios? Obviously, excluding the fact that Vader has killed millions of people and Ben has not. Um, So this would be referencing the scene where Luke kind of loses his temper a little bit. 
I don't think that that is a valid connection between the two scenes because Luke, Luke is responding in Return of the Jedi. Luke is responding to the threat of killing all his friends, and he gets tempted by the dark side, and he tempted by the dark side. Any Jedi who loses their temper and gives in to anger is being tempted by the dark side and he loses that momentarily and he dances the line of crossing to the dark side that's on purpose because the emperor wants to replace vader with luke and so that is not the right analogy because in this case in the case of the last jedi luke is having a vision where he sees what kylo ren or ben solo might become in the other line He's been directly tempted with the people that he loves. And so he loses his battle with the dark side momentarily. But then he realizes what he's done. He throws his lightsaber to the side and says, nope, nope. I, I just beat my father. I didn't kill him. I just beat him. And I am now a Jedi. Boom. What are you going to do? I'm, I'm going electro- <laughs> to electrocute you. But... Um, but you see the difference, yeah. though? There is that temptation. In The Last Jedi, the, the temptation might might come more internally, uh, but again, out of character. And it's not as immediate. He still has time to talk to Ben. Right, right. So I don't think and I don't think he was necessarily like trying to to kill Vader. I mean, was he? He, he definitely gives in to his anger, but was he, it, he, I never even read it like, oh, he's trying to kill him. No, he's just giving it to his anger, and then in the process, he might kill him, sure. But is he trying to kill him? No, he's still trying to save him in Return of the Jedi. I don't think he ever not tries to to save him. From the moment that he finds out his father, he's like, he's it's almost like he's in denial. Empire Strikes Back after, you know, he gets his hand cut off. Like, I'd be like, I'm not talking to my daddy. He just cut my hand off. <laughs> he's in the Millennium Falcon saying, like, father... You're talking to me through the force. What can I do for you almost, you know? <laughs> like, he just becomes obsessed with his father and how to reestablish that connection from the very beginning. He's not trying to kill his father. Okay. And I've heard another um, defense of it saying that, well, Luke tried to save his father because he sensed there was some good in him. Whereas with Ben, um, he said that, he sensed that there was like no good in him whatsoever. I can't save him. Um, you made a face. <laughs> yeah. So Luke is a pretty powerful Jedi, um, and at, by now he's like the most powerful Jedi, right? Because there's no other Jedi. <laughs> he's the most might, powerful. There by might default. be a Tano maybe somewhere, but <laughs> we haven't seen her. We know she's around, or she should be around. Uh, but. I would probably think that Luke Skywalker can sense whether there is like at least a little bit of good in mm-hmm. Ben, in which the way that the the sequels progress, we do see that Ben there has, has some. Be, there's right? good in him. He, in the end, doesn't give in to the dark side. He ends up rejecting the dark side in the Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And even in the Last Jedi, where he's like, he doesn't want to kill his mom at first, right? And Ray even says, if we're supposed to believe that Ray is now supposed to be the Luke kind of figure of the sequels, she even says, there's good in you. I can sense it. It's like a, an actual parallel with Vader and Luke that they are going for in Ryan Johnson's own movie. Yeah, I don't even know where that argument came from, but you just made the, the, those points. Also, Snoke knows there's conflict in him because he's trying to erase every trace of conflict or goodness in Ben Solo. And then the other person, the only person that has given up on Ben is Han Solo. And he says it. And the only reason he's trying his best to bring him back is because Leia told him there's still good in him. Unlike Vader, who everyone, everyone knew that, or everyone thought that Vader was beyond saving but Luke. Up to and including Force Ghosts. Right. So, yeah, in this one, it would be like, I would probably argue, like, that's the complete opposite. Nobody <laughs> wants to give up on Ben. And then in the end, Ray kind of says, like, oh, yeah, they're still good. And you'll see, like, I'm going to heal you. <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> yeah. I personally feel like I would have been happier if Ray stayed dead and then Ben was still alive. That's just me, though. 
was the the last yeah. Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, that's just me though. So, as the ZTV general manager, you have some experience with narrative storytelling, obviously. And you actually gave me a class assignment not too long ago on it. How would you define the phrase character arc? A character arc is basically when you set a number of circumstances that will take a character from point A to point B. By definition, point A is not the same as point B. Because if not, we would say that the character goes from point A to point A, right? So a character arc is where the character starts with normal life, normal circumstances, and then something happens that sets the character off in an adventure of some sort. And along the way, there are conflicts and problems that need to be solved. And uh, as the character faces these trials and circumstances, those trials and circumstances, circumstances provide growth. That growth is what leads to the climactic event that brings us to the end of our story and brings us to point B. Some people could say like, well, it takes you to point A, B, C, D, whatever. Sure. Same premise, right? The whole, th the whole point is that at the end of the arc, the character changes there is a lesson learned or there's like a de-evolution of the character a breakdown of the character it could right? be it could be a breakdown of the character now in in traditional storytelling you normally don't see those conventions and there have been lots of storytellers that want to paint the because they might say like this is not realistic they're not everybody ends up being a hero it's true the issue is that a lot of these stories also form like serve a cultural purpose and just like this the the heroes of the the mythical stories that we always hear about they always carry these like very positive um outcomes right so that's where some of that is maybe coming from they tend to be a very positive experience because heroes tend to do that anti-heroes might come anti-heroes are normally portrayed as you know they are not exactly the people with the best morals, and they change a little bit for the be for the better, right? But the de-evolution, it, it, it does happen, but it's not something that you normally see. And when you show the evolution in a story, people get very upset because they're like, what was this? There was like no, no, nothing that came out of this. Like you took steps backwards instead of moving forward. I don't know if, that, if that's making sense. Yeah, I, I would say definitely it is. Um, in the context of The Last Jedi, um, people say that, well, I should say the sequel trilogy as a whole, because there's like a 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And some people are saying that, well, anything can happen in 30 years. You know, characters change. So if you're, if you're meeting the characters again for the first time in Force Awakens or The Last Jedi in Luke's case... Um, and they're different than how they had been, well, 30 years. Of course they're different. Um, do you think what we're, what we, with what we were talking about in character arcs, about characters going from point A to point B, do you think that that usually should happen on screen? Or are there cases where it might be more acceptable for it to happen off screen and we just accept that the character is different now? Um, what do you think about that? Well, you are opening another can of worms which it just seems like what you want to do today <laughs> you just brought like a six pack of uh of cans of worms um let me kind of like preface this this way so the the part of the problem is that you have a corporation like disney and i'm not trying to to attack disney here i am a sucker for a lot of the stuff that disney puts out there Maybe not the sequel trilogy, but ask me about Rebels or Rogue One and all that, and I love it. Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, yeah. Baby Yoda. Oh, yes. Right? But, uh, okay, so here, here's one thing. You have a corporation that is taking over uh, a, an entire universe of storytelling that spans not only movies, but TV shows, comic books. Well, some of those comic books are no longer canon, all that, whatever. So you can argue that those stories are going to fill those gaps. From a filmmaking standpoint, you 
you don't you cannot rely on those gaps right like whatever you're gonna tell cannot rely on a on a story that is outside of that you can you can still explain enough that people would understand why something happened that's why sort of like like saying like look disappeared okay that is a big mystery that needs to be addressed who are raised parents that is a mystery that needs to be addressed and it does get addressed in the movies right very badly but it gets addressed in the movies so i i would probably say like that gap of 30 years like should not be um should not be a crutch or an excuse either way to for the way that the characters were handled the problem is that these characters were coming in with a new arc of their own while we're introducing new heroes into the mix and that's why i said like well maybe the the heroes from 30 40 years ago can go a little bit more in the background it's okay it's okay yoda is not the protagonist in empire strikes back and he still has a key role right you could argue the same thing right yoda was a one of the main characters in the prequels and now he's more in the background he trains luke that's it that's his only role in the in the original trilogy why not treat it like that i don't know so that whole 30 year gap it shouldn't be a crutch and it shouldn't be an excuse to make the characters what they were and the that goes for the comic books the graphic novels all the stuff that disney's putting out saying that oh no what we did actually does make sense here if you read this book and this book and this book it all is explained here there was actually i think um when ryan johnson i believe was criticized for how he used the force he like posted a picture or something of him like pointing at an entry in a book and was like see no it makes sense uh yeah i mean maybe in if we were to criticize Ryan Jones, it did seem unconventional, and he found the most obscure reference in a book that most, even fans like me, I had not read that one entry, and I was also like, where did you get this idea that Jedi can do this? And okay, he posted, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that is acceptable, but also you, you pick like the most obscure way that a Jedi could do, just because it's also on a book doesn't mean that every Jedi can do the same thing that every other Jedi. That's why you have some generally have unique powers versus others that that don't right mm -hmm. but um look the the whole idea of expanding these stories is not something new it's not something that just happened with disney there is literally 30 years of novels and comic books and video games that tell the stories about star wars that expanded the storylines of luke skywalker princess leia han solo chewbacca all of them for years and in those books for example there's no ben solo there's jason and jaina solo there is ben skywalker that's luke and mara jade's son, uh, son. Uh, jason and jaina are the jedi twins from uh han and leia and they also have later um another um another child who is um anakin solo so you know those those stories do expand but you know what they always had sort of like a rule book uh, that said this is what you're allowed to do with the character this is what you're not allowed to do with the character and there was somebody always vetoing those stories which in this case was george lucas very close to the sale of lucasfilm to disney george was very criticized for approving a comic book where chewbacca gets killed obviously that was no no longer canon in the disney purchase but just to show you, you know, these stories do take place. It's not something new. But in the films, what needs to be addressed gets addressed. And nobody can point you to, oh, just go watch this. Between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, we don't know how Leia got into a bounty hunter costume and all of that. You can fill in the blank a little bit. Did you need to know the whole story other than they're trying to rescue Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt? That's all you need to know, right? But if you want to find out how, you can read the novel Shadows of the Empire where they explain all of that. I don't think that's canon anymore, so it's probably a different book now. But you know what I'm saying? As long as in the movie you don't you don't leave the important plot points unaddressed, that's important. 
this is a problem with the sequels. A lot of these are left totally in the air. We don't know anything. We don't know. We don't really know much about Luke's years trying to be a Jedi Master, and that's part of the problem. They might say like, "Well, we'll come out with a TV show for that." Well, still, this is not going to satisfy the issues with Last Jedi and and all that. Can't so. retroactively retcon and put in explanations to make it look like you did you knew what you were doing the first time. In my mind there's only one way to fix him. Only one way. If you have you ever watched Rebels? Um not all of them. I think I watched a couple episodes with my brother. Okay. Well, there is an episode in Rebels where Ezra Brich- Bridger um is in this like is in this like place where he can do jumps in time i think i know what you're talking about is this like with the ahsoka tano yes yes i have heard that he has the he actually has the opportunity of changing the timeline so you can actually use that episode as a way to create an alternate universe where the The sequels sequels would have happened if blah 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 and then another one where that doesn't exist. But I'm also kind of like changing my own advice and saying like those devices don't work. But I think it's the only way that you can fix the sequels that nobody likes. It's the only thing that could basically kickstart the sequels again and make sure that you're able to revisit that without either necessarily completely admitting that you messed up yeah. or... Um, just doing it in a way that the fans might accept it. <laughs> and let me just say one more thing about um, the heroes and how they were written. But I know we're talking mainly about The Last Jedi, but look at The Rise of Skywalker. And to me, the most disrespectful thing that The Rise of Skywalker does is bringing back the enemy from all these other movies beforehand and doing it in a way that <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever and you know why this happened is because when they made the force awakens they knew that ray's background needed to be a mystery but they didn't have the answer to the mystery how can you make a movie not knowing abram's mystery box yeah in that mystery box argument like i hate it to me that that is not storytelling that is you manipulating your audience in a way that doesn't make any sense but anyway by bringing back the emperor and now having Rey being the one that finally conquers yeah. the emperor, you totally undo every arc for Luke Skywalker and to give it Anakin to Skywalker. So the Skywalkers are basically like, "Up, oh, you didn't matter. I will kill the emperor, and I'm taking your name." I'm Ray Skywalker. Somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah. So I... I went, Funniest it, line in the movie. At the very end, at the very end, you see Ray looking at Luke and Leia's spirits and, um, and smiling. And I'll be like, no, give her the middle finger. <laughs> they undid everything you've done. Everything you've done. Well... It didn't matter. We needed to just wait for Ray to just like fix it all. If only we had Ray thirty years ago. <laughs> Bury our lightsabers and just steal our name. <laughs> so anyway, such a girl boss. That is the end of my rant on <laughs> on all of this. I know you were talking primarily about Last Jedi, but I couldn't resist to also like address those those hero issues uh, overall. Definitely. Um, so it seems like with many fandoms, there can be a kind of divide between fans who are angry about their beloved franchises, their babies being ruined, and other fans who are just kind of happy to have more content regardless. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I'm just glad that I have more stuff to consume. Um, I obviously am going through this a bit with the Rings of Power and the Tolkien fandom. A lot of people are saying Rings of Power is like the most garbage it's like an irredeemable dumpster fire that's desecrating tolkien's legacy really and i'm like i actually kind of enjoyed it is it the best show ever no are there a bunch of flaws definitely but it's it's not insulting me to the point where i'm offended at the very idea of it and it's it's just entertainment that i enjoyed watching because it's middle earth um as a star wars fan and i know because you've told me obviously and i've been to your office (laughs) Um, 
Would you prefer to have new but subpar Star Wars content that's inconsistent with previously established lore, characters, etc.? Or would you prefer that they just, you know, keep with their good stuff and just quit while they're ahead kind of thing? I, I definitely would be excited anytime something new comes out. But I, it, it would be like trying to pick and choose, right? I Oh, like Mandalorian is great. And notice that when it's projects like The Mandalorian or there's specific people that have been working in the storyline, not rocket science here, for years, going back to like the animated series of The Clone Wars that were already proven to be successful, these are people that know the backstory so well that if you were to say like, hey, why don't we do a movie about this? They'll tell you like, nope, that would create a plot hole here, here, and here. Uh, so in my mind, I honestly, if... If all the content were just like the sequels, I'd probably be like, don't do anything more. It's don't don't touch it. Don't do anything with it. It's kind of like when they try to do remakes. Why are they trying to do a remake? Don't touch. We were talking about this in class the other day, right? Don't touch something. If it, you don't need to do a remake, it's perfect the way that it was. It was fine. No need to touch it. So I would probably say I, I'd rather pick a world where there's no more Star Wars from that point on, as long as you know, so that they don't mess with it too much. Now, I have enjoyed some of the stuff that Disney has put out there, The Mandalorian. I'm enjoying Andor, even though some people haven't. Uh, the animated stuff I've really liked. Um, and take Obi-Wan, for example. Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character in Star Wars. And when I heard they were, well, it was originally to be a movie, but then with Solo tanking, they chose not to. And Obi-Wan, as much as I liked the character, I thought, maybe you shouldn't do this. And they really didn't need to. But it turned out to be, uh, you know, plot consistent. So it's fine. But it, it opened the door to having, like, all these problems with plot, right? Uh, but it actually answered some questions. So fill out those holes that maybe people want to say like oh but what if we answer some of those questions sure questions i didn't need to answer to understand the story but it's nice to know so yeah i i don't know if that answers your question because i kind of took like two ways but so it sounds like we should just have the nerds write all of the new star wars content i yes i think so i you'd be surprised like um like john favreau who has been a filmmaker he's been an actor and he's also a Star Wars nerd. He's done some of the best Star Wars content out there. But it's also because he's not just jumping into it. He's just not like, oh, why don't we do this black mystery box? And then and everybody in that meeting probably went like, yeah, 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 okay. We'll use this spaceship to ram into this spaceship because pretty colors. And I don't, yeah, and I, I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy is really the one to blame for all of this because she's the the head of Lucasfilm and she's been an executive She's clearly done really good work in her life. She's executive producer of some of the most successful films of all time. I don't think that's the problem. I think maybe the problem is that there's too many cooks in the kitchen and uh, nobody really like, maybe she, I don't know, maybe she doesn't have the uh, assertiveness to say like, no, we're not doing that. So, I don't know. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about so that you feel should be talked about? Anything you want to add? Uh, in terms of Star Wars, um, I don't know. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, I worry about, just going off of this, this last point, I worry about a couple of things. The first one is what is going to happen to these like super awesome brands in the future if we keep milking the cow? And I'm not talking just about Star Wars. Look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At what point is it too much? And I'm just throwing out the question. I really like the movies, but at what point is it too much? There are times that you, know, you sit down and you're like, Wait, what? what happened here? Why is this person here? Um, all of that. And then with Star Wars, you know, now you're starting to put like way too many TV shows out there and, and all of this. At what point do we say, enough is enough just let it be and it just doesn't seem to be an end in sight it might be 
you know how obsessed I am with Star Wars, and I'm saying this, it might be Star Wars Overload. Oh, no. It might be too much. <laughs> because now it's just not enough. My son is really is into Star Wars, but he likes Rebels and Clone Wars. He doesn't know what Luke Skywalker looks like, and that, to me, is blows my mind. Because I grew up, when I was his age, Luke Skywalker was the hero. There was nobody else. At what point is it too much? I've been watching this new series called Tales of the Jedi. Just hit Disney Plus last week. I'm only two episodes in. And it's about Qui-Gon Jinn and Count Dooku when they were... Uh, when Count Dooku was uh, the, the Jedi Master to Qui-Gon Jinn. And they also have the an episode where uh, you see Ahsoka as a baby. Why do we need to have this now, right? Like, it's just like trying to like, it's, it's almost like the reality TV show of Star Wars where you're going to watch everything that happens to everybody. Maybe what they should do is have a crossover where Baby Yoda goes to Endor and hangs out and has a bunch of adventures with the Ewoks next. Or he becomes the ruler of the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah. Baby Yoda turns into a tyrant who lords over I- the yeah, the empire of cuteness. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that would be uh, maybe one one concern that I would have. And also, I, I, maybe I'm going back more on professor mode and less on fan uh, mode. But these stories serve a purpose culturally, right? And this is why people like me were upset. I don't want to see my hero do that. Just because my hero now is antiquated to you. That's not fair. That's still my hero. And it doesn't mean that he can't be a hero to somebody else. Or somebody that we look up to that. Like, what does that say even to, like, respecting our elders, right? These are cultural products. We used to have our cultural products be uh, coming from literature or oral tradition where people sat around a fire and listened to somebody tell a story. Well, now we don't sit around the fire. We sit in the movie theater. Okay, and and these are still stories that carry our values forward. So that's my concern. How much are we watering down all of that? That's a really good point. So I'll I'll just leave it there. (laughs) That is a good place to leave it. Professor, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Anytime. After talking with Professor Contreras... I find the criticism of Luke Skywalker to be almost completely justified. Much like my analysis on Daenerys Targaryen, I believe that Ryan Johnson could have made his embittered version of Luke work by either sticking to the first explanation given in the film that Kylo Ren, his student, betrayed him, burned the temple, and then joined the First Order, or giving Luke a better reason to raise his lightsaber against Ben. In the past, such as his interactions with Darth Vader in the Emperor's throne room, he only attacked when Leia or someone else in his family was threatened. While some will argue that he only redeemed Darth Vader because he could see the good in him, whereas with Ben he couldn't, it wasn't just that. Luke told Obi-Wan, I can't kill my own father. He is focusing on his familial bond to Vader here, not Vader's inherent goodness, though he does mention that too. Family is everything to Luke. It is the deaths of his aunt and uncle that makes him decide to venture to Alderaan and fight the Empire. He disobeys Yoda to rescue Han and Leia, who were the closest thing to family he really had. The revelation that Darth Vader was his father was so crushing to him because of the immense love that he had for the man who was his father, despite having never actually met him. It's the threat to corrupt Leia that finally causes Luke to snap and attack Vader in the Emperor's throne room. Before then, he still says, I will not fight you. It was the Emperor who had no redeeming qualities, no blood ties to Luke, and who was currently killing all of Luke's friends that Luke sought to kill. Still not Vader until Vader brought up going after Leia. The only way I can imagine Luke, a seasoned warrior and Jedi Master at this point, with 30 more years of experience, to even consider killing his nephew, especially since there's still good in him, as Ray points out, is if Luke misunderstood the situation. Instead of having Luke stalk Kylo in his sleep, have him return from a pilgrimage full of visions, premonitions, and worries regarding Ben's future following months of Ben pushing 
for more powers to make a name for himself and make his uncle, the legendary Luke Skywalker, proud. Have Luke returned to see Ben trying to defend the temple from some other students who agreed with Ben that they should learn more, but took this need further than Ben did. Due to the visions and his previous knowledge of Ben's interest in the dark side, have Luke intervene and not listen to Ben as he tries to explain. Have him be so blinded with grief and protectiveness and fear over his students that it calls back to his rash response when Leia was threatened. That I would have been able to see, and I think it could have been easily set up without changing much of anything. But, as the film is now, it actually had broken my suspension of disbelief as soon as Luke confirmed this version of events to be true. Considering murdering your nephew, the only son of your sister and best friend, is not acceptable even if you do not end up actually doing it. The intention was still there, and there is still good in Ben Solo, proven in episodes 8 and 9. And while there is good in him, nothing will convince me that Luke's trying to kill him rather than talk to him and turn him was in character. And if the argument is was that there was no good in Ben so Luke didn't try, then that doesn't just have the moral implications of the would-you-kill-Hitler-as-a-baby argument, but the extra aspect of a familial connection. Even for the people who would kill Hitler as a child to spare greater suffering, would all of them be able to say the same if Hitler was their family member? A nephew they'd helped raise, perhaps? With Darth Vader, there was never a guarantee Luke would be able to save him. The 2% goodness in him justified Luke gambling the fate of the entire galaxy and his friends on the off chance that Luke could convert the second most evil man in the galaxy, who everyone up to and including Force ghosts have told him he could not save. Again, I'm not asking anyone to dislike The Last Jedi because I thought it was the worst Star Wars movie in history. Please like it if you truly do, and don't let anyone take that away from you. That said, I do have my opinion as well, and my opinion is the critique of Luke Skywalker's almost attempted murder was justified. Do you have any opinions you want to share about this topic? Suggestions for a future topic? Please let me know by emailing criticcynicpodcast at gmail.com and or by checking out my Facebook page, Critique or Cynicism Podcast. Thank you for listening, and may all your movies be marvelous.